Welcome to the Beyond Mom podcast, the podcast for moms seeking connection to self while navigating the journey of motherhood. Get inspired with our practical tools, soulful conversations, and honest stories told by other women like you. From entrepreneurship to healthy living to style, Beyond Mom will spark you to live the thriving life you deserve. And now, join our host, Brandy Zinn, as she takes you Beyond Mom. Hello, everyone, and welcome to On Air with Beyond Mom. This is Randy. I am so happy that you're here today, and I'm thrilled to be here today because I know that this conversation is going to be one that's going to be full of insights and answers to questions that I know that you have because you're a mom and you're thinking about your productivity and your output into this workplace, into this world, into making a difference. And my guest today, literally her passion is this subject, this intertwining, this crossing of how we answer the questions around our motherhood, our productivity, the speed in which we're giving out to the world, and the way in which we choose to slow down when necessary, but not lose momentum. I don't know about you, but these are things that I am thinking of day and night, night and day. So my guest today is the wonderful Leeson Stromberg. Hi, Leeson. Hi, Randy. Thank you so much for having me. This is great. I'm so glad you're here. So let me tell everyone just a little bit about you, and then I just know that our conversation is going to share everything that our listeners need to know. So Leeson is an author, a culture innovation consultant. She is a widely regarded speaker who empowers people and companies to reimagine the future of work through a work-life success concept. She's currently the COO of the 3% Movement, a company that's committed to changing the ratio of women in leadership, specifically in the advertising industry. She's going to tell us a lot more about that. Leeson is also an award-winning independent journalist whose work can be found in many well-known media outlets, including the New York Times, Fortune, Newsweek, and others. But most importantly, and the way in which I connected through Leeson, with Leeson is her book, which is called Work, Pause, Thrive, How to Pause for Parenthood Without Killing Your Career. I don't know about you, but I need this book. <laughs> <laughs> we all do. We all do. And this book is revealing how trailblazing women have disrupted the traditional career paradigm to achieve their personal and professional goals and how forward-thinking companies are capitalizing on their talents. So I know that you're on the edge of your seat, like, okay, give me some of that. <laughs> What's the juju? What's the What's secret the message? Juju? What's the juju? Let's like, tell me how I get this. So Lisa is going to just be sharing with us so much of her wisdom today. You know, Lisa, let's, let's just dive in. And we, we were just sort of talking offline and you were just saying, I wrote this book because mm. I was essentially angry that women a bit younger than me and women who are about to become mothers are still dealing with the same crap <laughs> that I was dealing with when I became a mother. So tell me why you're angry and then tell me how it's inspired all of your amazing work. Well, yeah. So here's the deal. Picture this. I'm on a plane 30,000 feet in the air. I'm flying to a client meeting in Chicago. I'm 24 weeks pregnant. I've also been promoted to vice president. I'm, it's kind of, that kind of one of those moments, right? 
and I start contracting. I'm contracting, you know, six minutes, five minutes, four minutes. I am in active labor. It was awful. And luckily, the baby did not come by some miracle. She's actually 20 years old and doing great. But I was forced to go on bed rest. And I think of that as my first pause, my first career pause. I had worked since I was 14. I'd gotten my MBA, gotten through college, gotten my MBA. I was vice president of an advertising agency. My career was on fire, and I was forced to pause. It was a long bed rest, four months. I then was, you know, a couple of months. Actually, my I had three months. Oh, my God, what a miracle of maternity leave. But going back, I needed a little slower on-ramp. I needed to work for a little period of time, a few days a week, not the full-on come back in all in, be all in or be all out. And there was absolutely no willingness to be flexible with me in any way, shape, or form. Now, bear in mind, I was also maybe one of two women in the entire agency with children. <laughs> the second person in line, my boss was a woman. She had one child, but she had a stay-at-home husband. I had a husband with a big career. So the point being, it was just a really awful experience for me. And so I said, my human capital is more important, and I know I can't thrive in, my, in this environment. I'm out of here. I'm going to figure something else out. The truth of the matter is, I thought I was alone. So I meandered in my career. I mean, I pivoted a number of different times. As you can sort of read through the litany of my LinkedIn, you can sort of see I did a lot of things. And you know, here I am 20 years later and realizing after Lean In came out and having so many young women approach me going, I can't lean in and be a mom. I can't do this. And I'm like, well, yes, you can. I see it everywhere, but no one's talking about how they're doing it and what they're doing. Yes, the workplace is still completely inflexible or mostly inflexible, but there are solutions out there and it is changing. So let's talk about that. And that's what inspired me to write the book. Okay. So what's changing, Lisa? <laughs> I, well, I think I think that I could answer that question just from my own angle, but I want yeah. to hear your angle, obviously. Well, let's talk about a whole host of things and kind of talk about them in buckets. One, what's changing is that women are saying enough is enough. I have this great expertise. I want to be a deeply engaged mother. You companies have to figure it out. And they're not being shy or they're not quietly sulking away. They're not doing what my generation did, which is saying, oh, this is my problem. What they're saying is collectively, we need to change this. And we see that through social media. We see that through women's groups and organizations. But here's the other secret sauce. Men are saying it too. My generation, my Gen X generation, we didn't, our men kind of hunkered down and sort of sucked it up, if you will. But we're seeing millennial men say, forget it. I want to be a deeply engaged father. I want my partner to be a deeply engaged mother. And we both need to have great careers because we need to feed our families. And so for the first time, it's not women going it alone. It's actually women and men together going along. So that's happening on the kind of social zeitgeist, if you will. And then the other thing that's happening is we have 4% unemployment. We are rocking it in the economy for college-educated people. Let's be clear. Of course, we know if you don't have a college degree, it's a problem, a big problem. But if you're college-educated right now, there are a lot of opportunities. Companies are really craving great talent. So they're looking around saying, well, what do we do? Well, guess what? 64 million millennials are about to become parents, and they're about to lose all this talent. I see it in the tech industry. I see it in the advertising industry. These are industry and the financial services industry. They're desperate for great talent, and they understand finally that women aren't just value add. Women are actually changing the bottom line by having women in leadership, by actually having culturally diverse, you know, gender diverse, ethnically diverse groups. They know that's that adds to the bottom line. So for the first time ever, we're seeing companies say, 
oh my God, this isn't just about me, you know, doing a nice thing for lovely little Lisa or Randy. This is about me figuring out how to support my bottom line. So these two things are coming together for the first time and we're seeing some real change slowly, but it's much different than it was 20 years ago. So that's good news. Hmm. So what is the change actually starting to look like? What, like, what would we be looking for? Or what would we actually feel that feels different that's happening? Let's talk about some policies we're seeing that are really exciting. It's, absolutely shocking to me that in 2017, we are one of two countries of the 185 countries in the UN that don't offer paid maternity leave. I mean, come on, us in Papua New Guinea, that is just ridiculous. So as a result, we're finally looking at public policies. Now, we're not seeing any movement really in Washington, but we're seeing at the state and local level some movement. We're also seeing companies step up and say, okay, this is ridiculous. We've actually got to provide paid leave. So certainly in the tech industry, we're seeing some real movement here. Now the average leave, I think, is about four months, three to four months, which is unheard of. It used to be six weeks. In the advertising industry, again, where I am, we're seeing some real movement there as well for the first time. They're still behind. Other companies, big corporations are doing it, and smaller companies are starting to step up. So just maternity leave alone is changing. The second thing that's changing is we're seeing paid paternity leave. Men are starting to get paid paternity leave, and they're starting to take it. In other words, they've been able for years to take unpaid leave. They weren't willing to do that. But now that they're getting paid leave, and they know that if they don't take it, they're going to lose that essential income come then, why not take it? So we're seeing some real movement there. The other programs that we're seeing companies do are things like a return to work internship. Have you heard about these? Yeah, I think I have. It's just amazing. So what they're doing is they're offering mid-career women who've paused or downshifted, and it could be for men too, let's be clear, but mid-career people who've paused for caregiving, be it caring for a parent, caring for a loved one, caring for a child, and they've been out of the workforce for a couple of years, they're saying, we want you back in, and they're offering these paid internships to get them in the door. It's sort of like a try and buy process, right? Come on in for three months, we'll try you, you try us, and if it works, we'll give you full-time employment. And sure enough, like something upwards of 80 to 90 percent of people who participate in these programs are getting full time jobs from these companies. So it's a great way to fill the mid-career pipeline really quickly. And more and more companies are getting on on board on that. And I think that speaks to a cultural zeitgeist change. We're seeing a change in the attitudes of the value add of women who have paused their careers and need to be back engaged. So to me, that's really exciting. It's absolutely exciting. And you're it's it's very interesting. I'm familiar with a lot of the things we're talking about. I'm also learning from another angle because I tend to interact more frequently than not with women who have actually left the corporate workforce and are creating businesses of their own. So what are you you seeing on the entrepreneurial front that's either exciting to you or do you feel like also needs its adjustments culturally? Well, thank you for bringing up one of the other pillars of the change that I'm seeing. Look, 20 years ago, we didn't have this technology. You and I couldn't be talking you know, on our laptops. I mean, just so much has changed technologically to allow for remote work, to allow for a distributed workforce, to allow us to create opportunities. Plus, with social media, we can each be our own brand, if you will. Right. So we have control of our careers. We aren't tied to the company. Our brand is not tied to the corporation. There's no company loyalty. Our brand is tied to ourselves, which means it's up to us, which is a blessing. Right. Because Randy can go out there and rock it 
or it's a curse because you don't have necessarily paid leave. You don't, I mean, if you're not working, you're not working, you're not bringing income. So entrepreneurship is amazing. And many of the women I interviewed, so I interviewed 186 women, surveyed 1500 more for the book. And I can't wait to tell you all the things I learned there. But I found that about 27% became gig workers, 12% actually officially became entrepreneurs, meaning they started companies where they got outside funding, you know, we're building them out, that kind of thing, as opposed to becoming gig workers where they're doing their own thing, not necessarily any more valuable or less, just different. So I saw a lot of movement around women saying, I'm doing it my way because your way isn't working for me. And I think that's incredibly empowering. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think it's in many ways, if a, if a woman has the confidence or and the backing personally, financially to actually take that leap, I mean, in many ways, it allows for a certain flexibility and a certain sure. ability to step in and be productive and create a vision and be around your family. No. So I think, um, so the research that came through, the messages from the research that came through from the women who downshifted or paused their careers, the vast majority of the reasons they did that was they wanted control of their time. It's not that they weren't ambitious. The vast majority of them told me they viewed themselves as very ambitious, but they weren't weren't willing to submit their human capital to a company or a structure that didn't support them. So they were completely innovating their own path, much like you're doing, much like so many women are doing today. I think that's incredibly surprising, uh, inspiring. But let's talk about one thing you said, which is in order to do that, oftentimes we need backing from a partner, right? I was able to do exactly what you're doing in my own way because my husband brought in medical benefits. So he had a job that brought in benefits, which was great, which gave me the freedom to actually become my own entrepreneur. I became a consultant and I had a very successful, I made more money and had more control of my time once I became a consultant, which was wonderful. I could not have done that without his support to actually provide the benefits that I needed to thrive. Yeah. So that's one catch. So single moms don't have that freedom. You know, people who don't have partners in, in full-time jobs and offer benefits don't have that freedom. So it becomes kind of a narrowing process. And that, to me, is sad. We need public policies that support it so all of us can thrive. Absolutely. Although, you know, it's interesting recently, I mean, uh, what are they, as they say, necessity is the mother of invention. Mm -hmm. I've uh, interviewed some women recently who had full-time jobs and on the side started to dabble in their entrepreneurial vision and worked it to the point that they felt they were ready to leave the full-time thing. But that takes time and, and lots of effort and patience and good luck doing that when you have kids. It's not easy. Exactly right. But that, that those side gigs, man, they do grow and absolutely become some incredibly inspiring. I spoke to one, a couple of women who had these side gigs and ultimately ended up really helping them. One woman, she, she's, she's doing, Jennifer Mazella is her name. She's doing, her, she had a child with special needs and she realized she as a side gig was basically just providing training to the teachers and to other parents. It's now just on her own. It's now a hugely successful business. She's traveling around the country. She's the primary breadwinner big time in her family. She says, I now make six times my husband, what my husband makes, because she went out and created a side gig that absolutely there was a need in the market for it, and she filled the void. And she did that out of necessity. She found a family problem. There was not, no solutions out there. So we're seeing more and more of that, which is really cool. That's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. I love those stories. Let's talk about, you know, I just think that it's really important we talk about the pause. 
Yes. <laughs> and then we can sort of segue back into all the incredible findings in your book. The pause. The pause is a concept of, I guess I would say great anxiety. <laughs> and I think I think even for myself, I can definitely relate to the anxiety around the time of having my second child, which was a more recent thing, and what that means in the moments that you can't be quite as productive, let alone taking a longer pause from your active career as a mother, and yet self-defining as ambitious, accomplished, really caring about making your mark in the world. Talk to us about the pause. So here's the beautiful thing. When I went out to interview the women, I did not define the pause. I asked them to define it. And it went everywhere from I'm pausing my career for 10 years because I want to be with my three children every moment of the day to I used to work 80 hours a week and now I'm working 40 hours a week. And that's my pause. So for me, the pause, I believe, is about purpose. And it's getting really clear on what your purpose is and where you are at any given moment. And if that means that your pause is a meditation moment in your course of your 80 hour work week, to me, that's a powerful pause, because it recenters you on what's your purpose. Or it's, I really want to be out of the paid workforce, I want to be with my children, I want to be in these precious moments. And that to me feels really purpose-driven and appropriate. So I did not define the pause. However, what ended up happening, obviously, is when you say that word pause, people think I'm pausing my career. And so mostly I ended up talking to women who literally either downshifted or to work part-time or completely left the paid workforce. So then back to your question of, oh my God, that's frightening. What does that mean? And of course, of course it's frightening. Think of the narrative we have about careers. We are trained the careers are lockstep, you know, to get to the top, you've got to kind of be on this ladder and go one step from here and second step to there and third step to there. And these are the paths you have to go down. That's just not true for my research. And I knew it anecdotally because when I talked to my peer set about their paths and their career paths, so many women I spoke to had, before I even started the book, had said, oh yeah, I downshifted to work part-time for three years because, you know, my mother was failing and I had to help her as she passed or, you know, I wanted to be there with my new children or whatever it was. And so I, and yet these women were very senior executives in wherever they were in the world, but they didn't talk about it. It was almost as though they were so afraid saying pausing or downshifting was going to imply that they weren't ambitious. They weren't frankly comfortable being authentic with their truth. And my goal was to sort of unpack that hidden truth and say, wait a minute, really? You've never ever in the 30 years of your career ever downshifted for a period of time? Are you sure? Well, when you sort of ask it that way, oh yeah, actually I did take off two years and my husband and I moved to Hawaii and yes, now I'm senior vice president, one of the most successful startups in Silicon Valley, but I don't really talk about that. Okay, well, maybe we should. Let's be more proud about our journeys so that the next generation knows how we've done it. Yeah, I mean, that's rings so true to me. And I feel like it's been a, an interesting gift and curse to be at this stage in our culture where we're kind of allowed to do whatever we want. And in a sense, we're told to do everything, you know, mm -hmm. and that if you pause or if you slow down or if you take your foot off the accelerator, what am I going to lose? What's going to happen? 
I suffer that same anxiety and I don't feel like there's one answer, but I think it's very interesting. I think you're right to say that we should tell the real stories of our pauses, even if there are a few weeks when you unplugged and, and went on a family trip. What did that feel like? What did that result in or not result in or, or to a larger degree, actually taking those two years off? Yeah. So let, let's be clear. If you put your, take your foot off the pedal, if you will, off the gas pedal. Maybe you don't put it on brake, but you just kind of let yourself coast for a while, right? You're going to see people zooming past you. There's no question that if someone else has their foot on the pedal nonstop, they're going to go faster. The question has to become, are you willing to accept that they're going to get to their destination faster than you're going to get to yours? Bear in mind, their destination is going to be different than yours. Right. May not, you may not want to be where they are. Right. That doesn't mean, though, that you shouldn't. I believe that we should always be nurturing our careers. Before we, 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 you know, when we were talking offline, I have this real sense that we need to look at our careers over the course of our lifetime and understand that you know we're going to be in deep and then pull back and in deep and pull back at any given moment right over the course of our careers just like we are with our family look i we we had talked about i'm now just about to be an empty nester and i'm telling you life is good sister <laughs> you know this is the good side of it i didn't realize and could never have predicted that my career would absolutely thrive as my children you know transitioned into this next phase when my children were five, six, and seven kind of thing, right? I didn't understand the difference and what that would mean for me. I thought it was a zero-sum game at that moment. And my understanding now and my understanding in speaking to so many women is that's it's so true. We have this blossoming that happens at a different phase that's incredible. In fact, there's tons of really interesting research about productivity. If you actually track who's most productive, and you may have seen some of this research, if you look at fathers or non-fathers, non-mothers and mothers guess who is over the course of their careers most productive by a long shot mothers mothers absolutely <laughs> so but they're not most productive when their children are young so when your children are young you're seeing women's productivity mother's productivity downshift somewhat absolutely but over the course of their careers they rock it so we have to take heart in that and understand okay i may be downshifting right now that's part of the process that's okay because i'm gaining things i never imagined these moments with my children this this gift right but if i take that long and always nurture my career always know i'm engaged with my career always know i'm going to have a career whether i'm in the paid workforce or not or whether i'm working kind of all in or not that changes your perspective and it kind of for me, that would have given me a little bit of a breathing room to say, okay, this too shall pass, whatever this is. Yeah, it's called perspective. Yeah. Oh my gosh, what a concept. <laughs> you know, it's really, really easy to get lost in the fury and the, the tumble of pressure and of this competitive feeling that we feel, um, even amongst women, because if we look at what's out there, it's like we see these women who are these killer entrepreneurs and a little famous and have these great products or brands, and then they're surrounded by their children and they look happy and beautiful. And it's tough. You know, I interviewed another author yesterday, Anne Choquette, who I'm sure you, oh, she's you know. Oh, yes, she's fantastic. Yes, big life. Yes. yes. I was actually at her book launch party recently and had the privilege of interviewing her on the podcast as well. And she just has this great perspective on the idea of embracing our mess, mm -hmm. you know? And she's like, yes. I was like, talk to us about the mess, Anne. And she was like, well, what's your mess? And I was like, 
What is my best? And the thing is, is that we can spend so much time trying to make each moment feel perfect. But if we can step out of it and look at it from a longer, bigger view, it becomes less hyper-focused on the moment and it's less neurotic. Yeah. You know, I, I had a really wonderful gift and I'm, I'm going to, I'm happy to share it with you and, and to your listeners. If you haven't had the chance to read Tara Sophia Moore's book, Playing Big, I, have you read it? It's not just only fantastic. Have I, not only have I read it, but I also interviewed her on my oh, podcast. Oh, Tara is just fantastic. So listeners, and, listen to my podcast with her too. Yes, please do. Please do. She's fantastic. And she has in her book, this little journey that she calls the inner mentor journey. And it basically asks you to look at your, you know, to, to go on this journey and find your 80 year old self. And what's your 80 year old self telling you about this very moment? Oh my gosh. Talk about perspective. If you take the time to actually look at this mess. And I think frankly, life is messy and that's okay. That's kind of the beauty of it, right? It's not about control. It's about the lack of control and letting what is supposed to blossom, blossom and recognizing that not everything will at any given moment. And that's the gift. And I think if we can take that perspective, oh my gosh, wouldn't it be wonderful? Yeah. Wouldn't it be? (laughs) (laughs) What else do you want to tell us about your book? I mean, I feel, uh, well, like, we're, I, I, I feel like we're getting so much of a flavor of what you talk about, but I, I mean, I know there's, there's so much love and wisdom oh. and research and all kinds <laughs> of good stuff in that book. Tell us more. So as I shared, the, the real vision for me was to unpack women's, women's careers. Like, how did she do it? Really? Come on. And so I went on this journey. I just sort of started interviewing people kind of in my inner circle and then sort of kept going out. And in fact, I was, I mean, 186 women, Randy, I could have done 10,006 women. So many women, I literally was turning women away. No, no, thank you. I don't need your story because we, the, you know, I'm a Gen Xer. I'm the oldest Gen Xer, if you will. We want to convey what we've learned because we don't want the next generation to go through what we do. And we're kind of all like, really? It's still like this. And so then what I decided was, okay, I'm getting these stories. I'm getting this message that nonlinear careers and this trailblazing approach and this innovative entrepreneurial attitude to having a career in a life was clearly what I was when I was hearing from the women I interviewed. So then I was looking for real data. Okay. Those are anecdotals or qualitative. Where's the data? I was absolutely shocked to find out that no one has done longitudinal research on women's careers. Yes. Harvard Business School has, yes, Wellesley College has, and there's an, an old study by the Hidden Brain called the Hidden Brain Drain by the Center for Tan- Talent Innovation. They're doing great work, but it's not contemporary. It's not today. So I decided, okay, I hired a market research firm and I went out there to try and find out what's happening. The only requirement I had from the people who took the survey is they had to be women, they had to be mothers, and they had to be college educated because these are the women we would expect to be at the top of every industry, right? Wow, did I learn a lot. First of all, what was astounding to me is though, although only 11% of, of the 1,500 respondents thought that they would pl- plan to pause their careers, thought they would pause their careers, 72% did. I mean, that's just shocking to me that that many were forced to leave the paid workforce or downshift all because the workforce was so unwilling to work with them. So let's start there. And that speaks volumes about the workforce. And we can spend hours talking about that. But what I learned is that there were kind of what I would say four key paths. There were the women who never left the paid workforce. That was about 20, 28%. But what's interesting is they never left the paid workforce because, or never downshifted, never paused because they didn't have to. 
they had great careers and they had flexibility. They had control of their time. They loved their jobs. They were thriving. For them, it was like, I, why would I leave? I'm exactly where I need to be. It was kind of the dream life, right? Oh my gosh, you have what we all want. The second group, again, about 20%, were women I call cruisers. These are the women who downshifted to work part-time. One example is a woman named Lisa Williams. She's now an EVP at Wells Fargo, but when her children were young, she worked part-time for about five or six years with Wells Fargo. They totally supported her, and then when she was kind of, her children got into school, they said, okay, are you ready for full-time work? She said, yeah, and on she went. I have so many stories of companies, enlightened companies and enlightened managers saying, wait a minute, we want to keep you how can we work with you and then helping women relaunch and not mommy track them them forever so that was really inspiring um then we had the women who actually what i call boomerangs they're the women who completely left the paid workforce paused for a period of time and then relaunched they're the ones we hear about of oh you can't get back in it's so hard they're the ones who saw it being more challenging than the other groups. And it was challenging because they saw exactly what they lost. If you are a corporate investment banker and you take off, you know, you pause your career, your peers are going to keep going ahead of you and getting back in is going to be hard. Now you can get back in as my research showed, but it's not as easy as you want it to be. And it's, and it takes work. The fourth group were the entrepreneurs. These are people who I call the pivoters. They said, I paused, I wasn't in the right career, I'm going to find out what I can do and completely thrive. And they rocked it in new, exciting ways. One example for, of that is a woman, um, Marianne Perrin. Oh my gosh, she's so cool. She was in operations and finance and very senior and bad and big companies and small companies. And then she went off and she actually got a PhD in nutritional science at the age of 45. And now she's a professor at the University of North Carolina. She's like, no one would, I never would have expected that. But her pause gave her a chance to figure out what she truly wanted to do in life. So those are the four paths I saw. And what was amazing to me is we attach ourselves in the pause to the boomerangs and their experience because that's the only thing we think of. But we don't realize there's all these other ways that women are navigating and all these other ways that women are doing what they need to do. Like you, creating your own journey and being an entrepreneur. So I think if we actually see it in a different kind of more rich view, it'll give you and women, next generation of women who want to become parents, a better view of what's available. And it gives employers a better view of what women are doing. Great, great wisdom and insight. <laughs> wow. It's so fantastic. So I almost would love to hear before we wrap up a little bit, because I'm sure we could keep going for like at least another few hours at least. Let's say you're seated around a table with a cup of coffee or a bottle of wine. And yeah, you, have, you have one woman who is pregnant and about to embark on this new phase. And you have a woman who is, you know, has a child or two and is feeling a little perplexed at the speed of life and the pressure. So you have one woman like about to enter it and another woman who's kind of in it. What would be like the quick and dirty advice you would give these two women? Damn, I wrote a whole book giving advice on this. <laughs> I know you did, but I want, I want to test you, Lisa. I want yeah. to test you. Look, here's, here's the bottom line. The women who truly thrived had a couple things in common. One, 
They had absolute confidence about their own human capital, meaning what they had to offer. And they were willing to say, I'm not willing to put up with whatever this is because I have something to offer. And if you, the workplace, aren't willing to actually invest in me and aren't willing to support me, I'm going to take my work somewhere else. So that clarity of ability to me was really inspiring. They're the women who truly thrived. So let's start with that confidence thing, which is so elusive, but just understanding our values. So let's start there. The second thing that they had was real clarity of this too shall pass. You know, you're right in the middle. You've just given birth. Oh my God, it's chaos. You haven't had sleep. This too shall pass. You've got a two-year-old and a five-year-old. Everyone's sick. Your husband's on a business trip and you've got a deadline. This too shall pass. That's like my life. (laughs) What? You've got a teenager and you've got, you know, you're in the midst of college applications and you've got to travel, you know, you've got to travel around the world. This too shall pass, you know, for business. This too shall pass. The point is, these are all moments in time, but they are part of the arc of a life. I spoke to one incredible entrepreneur who had just gotten five million in venture funding. She had two young kids and she's like, I just want to be home with my babies. And I'm like, you're living a dream right now. Your babies will thrive. Take this journey to the end and then, you know, in two years or three years, you'll have a better sense of what, you know, you want to do in your home life. Don't lose this moment. Be all in. Now's the time to be all in because you can be, you can downshift later. So for me, that was that, that sense of perspective to me. So it was confidence, a sense of perspective. And the other secret sauce is they chose the right partner. They, the women who thrived really had partners that were all in with them. I spoke to a number of couples who actually spiraled their careers where at any given moment, she was all in and he was downshifting a little bit to, you know, he may have been still working, of course, but he was sort of downshifting and then they flipped. He'd be all in and she would downshift. And that's how they co-parented and that's how they co-managed their careers. And that whole kind of house cleaning stuff that we all deal with. You know, they were partners. The guys did the dishes. The guys did the food shopping. They really, they were all in. And they supported their wives professionally. If you don't have that partnership, it's kind of hard to truly thrive, no matter whether you're in the paid workforce or not. So... Yeah. And I would just add to that, that if you are a solo mom and you're building your business, then figure out how to have not only amazing friends and family around you, but paid support that you trust that gets you and gets your vision. That's right. Yeah. So get the support that you need to soar. And I think that's exactly right. I think one of the things I heard from women so often is that they were afraid to ask for support. They were afraid to say, you know, I really need this. This is really important to me. I'm investing in myself. So I'm hiring a caregiver four days a week, you know, in the morning so I can get my gig going or whatever it was, or I need a housekeeper or I, if I can afford it, or I need my 10 friends to come in and, you know, just be there for me and I'm going to be there for them. I think that to me is the other thing, whether you've got a partner or not, asking for help. So important, really spot on and be building that community spot on. Absolutely. I'm psyched to read your book. Thank you. <laughs> May I just say, I haven't had a moment yet to read it, but oh. I've been reading about it. <laughs> so before we have to say goodbye, please tell us where we can find you, where we can follow you, where we can read what you write, where we can find your book, anything that you would want us to know. 
Well, thank you. You can go to www.leesenstromberg.com. That's L-I-S-E-N-S-T-R-O-M-B-E-R-G.com. And you can find how to buy the book there. I mean, it's on Amazon. You can buy it. Almost all independent bookstores are carrying, et cetera. So it's in the bookstores. You can follow me on Twitter at leesenstromberg.com. On Instagram, same thing. Facebook. <laughs> I'm everywhere. Except for Snapchat. Sorry. I just can't get there yet. I'm with you. I, I, ah, just, I just don't find the love. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> yeah, I'm just freeing myself. My, my 13-year-old niece is like, come on. Like, yeah. But I'm there. And I love, you know, I, I encourage your readers to reach out to me. You can absolutely find me, you know, lisastromberg at gmail.com. Reach out. Tell me your stories. I have a newsletter, which I'm happy to include anyone and everyone on. I send it out sort of every other week talking about what I've written, the latest research, what I'm seeing, things I'm reading that I think are so inspiring, podcasts that I'm on or hear about. So that's the other way is, is if they reach out to me, they can go they can go online to my website and sign up for my podcast or my, uh, my newsletter. And that's rich with information about and tips and kind of here's what women are doing and here's a community. So that's another way to, to connect. I love that. Oh. Lisa, and you're so amazing. You have so much wisdom and you, you've taken such valuable time to understand the real stories of women and there's nothing more powerful. And I think such an amazing tool to create the change to create the momentum of change, which is what we're looking for, right? It's so true. And I'll say, Randy, just right back at you, because I didn't have Beyond Mom when I was a new mom. These things didn't exist. And the fact that we women are creating community and sharing our knowledge and wisdom, that's empowering and that is powerful. And that's how real change happens, because we learn what's available to us. We learn what we can ask for. And we learn how to negotiate pay. We learn how to get, you know, if we want to work part-time, how to negotiate that. We learn how to be entrepreneurs. We learn how to take care of each other. And you're doing that. So thank you for Beyond Mom and all the work that you're doing. Well, thank you so much. I will close on that note because that's a great (laughs) note. (laughs) And for all of you who took the time today to listen, thank you because Lisa and I know that it is time invested in yourself to fill your mind with other women doing great things, with new ideas, and with the fuel that you need to grow your unique story. And we know how important that story is. So thank you, listeners. Thank you, Leeson. And we look forward to having you again. And if you haven't, subscribe to On Air with Beyond Mom. If you love it and you love this conversation, share it with friends, rate it on iTunes, and keep on listening and taking good care of yourself. Thank you.